0: Hey, Cornerstone. Man, good to see you. Hey, when did we start clapping at the beginning of the sermon? I mean, what, what did that? I don't know. It's kind of cool, though, right? You know, we're all excited. The sermon's getting ready to happen. God's going to beat me up. Yeah! You know? All right. So, just real quick, uh, before we get started, most of you know, most of you have been... Uh, tracking with us, that we're in the process of trying to get a loan. It's really, really hard post-2009 for a church to get a loan. Uh, but we've been in that process. So we're close. We are really, really, thank you. For, all right. So we're really, really close. We've got two different groups that are saying to us, hey, it's going to happen. And we're going to do this for you. Now, here's the reason we've been hesitant to say that too much out loud to you is because you realize we've been there twice already. And so we do feel a little gun shy, but it's close enough right now, guys, that we just think, okay, it, it looks, but here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to ask us like to totally bathe this thing in prayer. Because you realize the Christian secret weapon is prayer, right? So no matter what those bankers are thinking, man, we can just pray them through. Okay? So I, I'm going to ask you, just starting now, just if you could think about every day, every day, just drop a little prayer. Say, God, you know what? Just just give us favor and allow those guys to do this and allow us to get the loan. Because guys, look, 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 you get at the end of the day. This isn't about bigger bills. It's not. It's about you and I having the opportunity to touch more lives for Jesus Christ. For you and I have the opportunity to grow up and do more maturity than we've ever done before. And unfortunately, right now, bricks and mortar are standing in the way. So if you would just remember every day, hey, I'm going to pray about this. Just drop... A little prayer to the Lord, okay? And could we right now just pray for a second? Just say, God, look, uh, we're going to ask you to do this. So let's just stand and let's pray uh, real fast together. And then we're going to do this every day, every day. We're going to take it for the Lord. Dearest Heavenly Father, we just come to you in this moment. And God, we're just asking, would you grant us favor uh, with these lending institutions? Would you allow them to understand and get it and be willing uh, to loan to a church? And, uh, God, we're just going to leave this at your feet. We understand how hard it is to get alone right now. We get that if this happens, it's going to be because you provided and you did this on our behalf. And so, God, we're in that moment. We're saying, God, we need you to be in the middle of this conversation, and we need you to help see it through. And we're trusting you for that. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Thank you, guys. All right, so we're continuing our conversation about stress, and as we do that, I just want to do a quick shout-out to Santan, to Scottsdale. Man, so glad you guys are part of this, and look, I know, I know, if you're at Santan, if you're at Scottsdale, you've already figured all this out, so thank you for being patient with the Chandler crowd, because we're behind you a little bit on this. If you've been on the journey the last few weeks, there's a chance that you feel a little bit like the way I feel sometimes about this conversation, in which you would say, look, I get it in principle. I get this idea that God's in control and so I shouldn't be freaking out. I I get this idea that God loves me and so therefore I should be able to just relax that my Heavenly Father is going to take care of me. I I, I get it, I get it. If it's not good yet, it's because it's still in process and God's not done with it yet. But here's the deal. See if this sounds anything like you. I just keep getting beat up. It, It feels like that what I've got to do right now, because it just feels like circumstance after circumstance, issue after issue just keeps coming in my life. And and it just feels like what you're saying, Lynn, is just grit your teeth, hang on, until God finally, you know, shows up and does something about it. I mean, the best way you could describe this, almost like someone's walked us out to the beach, taken us uh, right down into the ocean, and now there's just wave after wave after wave coming in and all I can do is stand there, try to get ready and then hope the wave doesn't wash, you know, over me. And the crazy part is it feels like the tide is coming in because every wave seems to be bigger than the last one. And I, I just find myself fighting the surf. That's, that's what it feels like in moments like this. It's interesting because you realize there's people who actually welcome the waves. There's people who love the surf. Matter of fact, uh, when the waves are coming in, uh, those people grab their board. Uh, these crazy people, think about this. Think about how crazy this is. These, these people, when the, when the waves are coming in, in and, and, and their perspective, the bigger the better, they actually, ready, paddle out to meet the waves. And they actually turned down the little ones looking for the big ones because here's what they figured out. If you can cooperate with the wave, if you can catch the wave, they call it, this can be the right of your life. This can be an absolute blast for you if you know what you're doing. So think about it. What if that's true in this part of the conversation for you and me? What if getting a sense of what God was doing when the waves are crashing. Because, remember, he's in control, so the waves are him. He's allowed this to go on. And what if you and I could catch a sense of what God was trying to do in our life, and what if instead of standing there fighting the wave, what if you and I caught the wave? What if we turned into the wave with God and said, God, look, here's the deal. This may be a little scary, but boy, if I can figure out how to ride this thing... This could be the funnest part of my life. Which then is going to cause all of us today to simply process this question. When God is moving in my life, am I fighting the surf or am I looking for a surfboard? Because how you answer that is going to change how you navigate the toughest moments of your life, the most stressful moments of your life so here's what I do I want to propose a grid I want to take us through a series of four questions that when things are happening when we go boy I just don't get it I don't understand it God I don't see what you're doing here that you and I ask these four questions because suddenly we have the opportunity to go oh my goodness I get it now I think I see what God is doing I think I know why God has allowed this to happen in my life and I have the opportunity to turn into the way and go with God on this incredible adventure in my life okay so first thing When life is crashing in, when you feel like you're standing there and the surf is about to over, when you go, man, I I just don't, boom, boom. Is it possible in moments like that that what God is up to is a good old-fashioned spanking? Is it possible in that moment that you and I are just getting a whooping? That, That there's a part of our life, there's a moment of our life where we've said, oh, no, 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 no. I was in that sermon, and no, not going to do it. No, I I was reading scripture. I was doing my daily devotions. I saw that. I saw that. And my answer was, uh I'm still going to date him. I'm still going to say those things out loud. I'm still going to gossip about my friend. No. No. And so in that moment, you and I have stood in disobedience and just said, hey, uh, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And God's response to the moment is, He's spanking us. Those things that are coming and we just go, you know, why is this happening? It's just a good old-fashioned whooping. And here's what you need to know. That if you get into this cycle with God, guess who's going to win? It ain't you. Matter of fact, grab your Bibles real quick. Uh, Go with me to the book of Hebrews. Because it actually talks about this very moment. Uh, It's a super intriguing passage. It's Hebrews... Uh, chapter 12, and if you're not familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, uh, you're going to find this, Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 5. And and the author of Hebrews is not going to say to you and me, hey, you realize when God's whooping you, it's actually a good thing. Is that interesting? It's actually a good thing. Here we go. It's Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 5. Here's what it says, and have you completely forgotten? The word of encouragement. I mean, this is, this is good. This is a good thing. The word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son or his daughter. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. He's going, no, 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 no. If God's spanking you, that's a good thing. Here, whoa, whoa, whoa. How many of you in the room spank the neighbor kids? All right. There's like two of you, that, which I'm just going to say to you, man, you, you are the man. You're if you're spanking the neighbor kids, you're the man. OK, but but here's the deal. Let's just be honest. Most of us don't. Right. Most of us don't spank the neighbor kids. And most often God doesn't either. So you realize what Scripture's saying here is that if you're being spanked by God, it's actually kind of a backwards because what it's saying is you really are a child of God. Because God spanks his children. Matter of fact, it's interesting. When I lead someone to Christ, when I sit down with them and say, hey, do you you want to ask Christ in your heart? I'll often say to them, hey, before you make that decision, you need to get ready. Because I'm just telling you, your life will never be the same. And part of that is, when you do things you shouldn't do, God's going to whoop you now. It's going to be different now in your life. It's part of being his child. Back to the passage, verse 6, it says, Because the Lord disciplines, he spanks, the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. And he just says, this. Well, look, look. If, if, if what's going on right now, if the waves that are crashing over you in your life, if the things that are coming and hitting you right now, the first things you have to ask is, hey, is it possible this is just a spanking? This is God dealing with my life? And the reason this is important to figure out is because in the end of the day... He's going to win. I'm going to lose. And the only thing up for debate right now is how much pain I'm willing to suffer before I give in. Got a friend and told me a parenting moment uh, in his family. So he had a son by the name of Jaden. And Jaden had just turned six. It was time for him to go off to first grade. And so they take him to school the first day and Jaden throws a fit. He is terrified about going in to this new classroom with kids he doesn't know, to this school he hasn't been to, and he's just he's just going ballistic. He's laying on the ground, he's kicking his feet, he's screaming. They take him up to the classroom. Day after day, the entire first week, he throws a fit the whole time. First day, second week, mom drops Jaden off, drives home. Jaden has performed a school break. He has snuck out of the class, ran across the playground, scaled the school fence, gone down the alley, and gotten to his house before mom could get home. He's standing in the front yard when mom gets home. And she says, Jaden, you got to go back to school. No. No. So my friend comes home that night, uh, sits down with Jaden, says, Jaden, you have to go to school. Jaden says, no. Here's what my friend asked Jaden. Ready? Are we at war? To which Jaden replied, yes. (laughs) Yes. So my friend said, okay, here's the deal. Uh, If you don't go to school, you have to spend the entire day on your bed. You can't leave your bed. You just got to sit on your bed. Got dinner the first day. Jaden had stayed on his bed and he was completely happy. So they took all of his toys out of the room. Second day, come back home. Jaden's completely happy. They took all of his furniture out of the room. Only thing left is the bed. And it just escalated because here was the My friend just said, look, I'm going to win. He's going to lose. I love him. Ready for this? I love him too much to let him win this argument. So I'm going to win. And I will escalate until he's done fighting. Four days. Four days laying on his bed, staring at the ceiling, cursing God and his parents. And finally, Jaden comes walking out of his room, tears coming down his face. I give up. You know what the interesting thing? Jaden could have stopped the pain the first day. All he had to do is say, Hey, I'm not going to go to war with dad and mom. I'm not going to fight. I get it. I get it. I get that I'm being disciplined right now. I need to listen to what I'm being told. It could have been over. Some of us have been at war with God. And, and what's happening right now is you're experiencing the escalation. You're experiencing God just taking the furniture out of the room. And here's what you've got to get. You will not win. God loves you too much to let you win this argument. So whatever that is, whatever the thing is in your life you're saying, Hey God, no, 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 no. I'll never do that. I'm going to date that person. I don't care what you say. I'm going to hate that person. I don't care what you... Whatever that is, the most powerful thing that you could do in this moment is walk out of the room with tears in your eyes and say, God, I'm done. I'm done fighting the waves. I'm done standing against the surf. And I'm going to get a surfboard. I, I want to figure out what my life would be like if I brought this area of my life into obedience to you and how different I could be. Now, there's some of us in the room, you go, Lynn, no, 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 no. I'm just telling you, I don't have an area of disobedience. I can stand here right now, I'm just, clean hands, clean hands. There's no there's no thing in my life that I know, there's no thing that God has spoken to me about or convicted me about that I'm not obeying, so it can't possibly be the first answer. Okay? What if God is teaching? What if what if this moment is about God taking you through something so that you can learn something? Because God, there are some things in life you cannot learn without doing them. So you can learn math. You can learn two plus two is four, because, right? But there are some things you can't learn until you've actually experienced it, till you've done it in your life because the doing it is the very thing that teaches it to you. And is it possible that there are certain things that God is taking you through right now because you'll never know faith until you live faith? You'll never understand love till you have to live love. And you thought it was his abuse and it was actually his instruction. All right, there's this great clip. It's an old John Wayne uh, film called Hondo, and it's John Wayne teaching a boy how to swim. Okay, you'll love this. Here it goes. Where's your mother? You water, Chris. Any luck? On a bike this morning. Oh. You see where the sun is? Up there. Yeah, on the back of your neck. You're casting a shadow. If you can see it, the fish can see it. Always fish with the sun in your face. The other bank's the place. That is, if you want my opinion. Gosh, Umberato, I want your opinion. But Mama won't let me go over there. Why not? I can't swim. You can't what? I can't swim. How old are you? Six. Everybody should swim. Just reach out in front of you and grab a handful of water. Pull it back towards you. Not too fast. That's the way I learned. I did it, Emberardo. I did it. Good. Well, how will he get back? Swim. Well, he might drown. Well, then you go get it. Well, I can't swim either you get it right i mean there's just there's just certain things the only way you learn it is do it and that god in his absolute love for you and me in his desire that you and i would grow up and be like christ says, look i'm just gonna put you in it matter of fact grab your bible super quick And go with me to 1 John. 1 John's going to be almost at the very back of your Bible. It's 1 John chapter 2. Starting in verse 5. So here's what it says. Watch this. But if anyone obeys his word. So see, they've got the first step down. I'm already listening. I'm already obeying what he's told me to do so far. If anyone obeys his word, the love of God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must, you ready, live as Jesus did. So he says, look, 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 if you've got the obedience thing figured out, then you've got to get the Jesus thing figured out. You've got to figure out how do I begin, as a Christian, to look more and more like Jesus, to live more and more. And some of those things you'll never learn until you do them. You learn them by getting wet. I remember God teaching me to actually love my enemies. See, it's one thing to believe it in theory. It's another thing to learn it. I'm a young youth pastor, and I had taken a group of kids up uh, north, and part of the trip was we were coming back, we were camping out overnight, so we'd put up several tents, and uh, we were staying in a community campground, so there's our four tents, but everybody else is around us. There was one particular tent of boys who on this trip, they they were all 14, had figured out that girls were different. Now, this was a highly intriguing set of information for them. And so now they're doing everything they can to flirt with the girl's tent. The problem is there's groups around us. And so they're yelling from tent to tent. I'm getting up over and over and over again at night saying, guys, you got to stop it. So finally I get to this point where I go, guys, you will stop. Because if I have to come back and quiet this tent down, you don't want to know what I'm going to do to you. Which is parental code for I have no idea what I'm going to do to you. Right? Just, right? 2.30 in the morning, I am woken up out of a sound sleep. These guys yelling over to the girls' tent. I have to go in, I crawl in, I just have to spend the rest of the night in, in a stinky 14-year-old boy's tent. We get back to church and I say, guys, okay, here's the deal. Here's what's going to happen. You just prove that you don't know how to behave on a youth activity. So you are banned from the next youth activity. You, you can't come. You can come to the next one, but you can't come to this one that's coming up. Here's the problem. One of the boys in the tent was a boy by the name of Joel. Joel had come up with this masterful plan of what he was going to wear because the next youth activity was actually our Halloween costume party. So for months he'd been planning this costume. His mom, Oralie, had been sewing the costume by hand for months. And now the satanic youth pastor had decided that he couldn't come. I am just, Joel hated my guts. And worse than that was Oralee, his mom. Oralee, I'm I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating one bit. We'd be walking on the sidewalk at church. Oralee would see me in the distance. She would leave the sidewalk, walk a hundred feet across the lawn to get to the other sidewalk and keep going. So that she didn't have to walk anywhere in proximity to me. So I went to my supervisor. And you guys have heard about Pastor George. So I go to Pastor George. I say, George, here's the thing I just got to tell you. We've got this thing going on, you know, all this stuff. But I just want you to know. I want you to know because they may come and complain. They may tell you, I am right. I just, I just, I want to establish that. I want you to know that before they come to talk to you. I was right. Here's what Pastor George said to me. Lynn, after hearing the story, I think you were right. But you're losing a heart. You're losing a kid from your youth group because he hasn't been back since. You've lost his mom because she's not encouraging him to come. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to do what Jesus would do in a moment when he was right, but he was losing a person. I want you to love your enemy. And I go, George, you don't understand. I'm right. I, I want you to love the person that right now hates you. Okay, so I became secret agent youth pastor. I would see orally. I would sneak up behind her, and then I would hug her from behind. Oh, orally, I love you so much, and I love your son Joel. And then when I would do that, orally would just because it's horrible when Satan's hugging you, right? I mean, it's horrible. I would find Joel and he'd be talking to the girls. He wasn't coming to the youth group but he was still talking to the girls and I'd get up to Joel, I'd put my arm around him and say, man, Joel, I'm so thankful for you and I can't wait till you're back coming to the activities in the youth group. And Joel would, mm. three months, three months of sneaking up and hugs and Joel finally came back to youth group loving my enemies. A year and a half later, When I resigned that youth group, there was one boy who, when I said, hey, I'm leaving, who could not control his emotions, leapt out of his chair, ran to the front of the youth room, threw his arms around my neck, and sobbed because I was leaving. Joel. Seven years later, when we started Cornerstone. Anybody want to guess who the number one financial supporter of Cornerstone was in those early years? Oralee. And guys, here's what you got to get. Oralee, you know how Oralee made her living? By taking in old people and basically running a rest home in her house. So she's cleaning bedpans. She's wiping things that nobody has business wiping. And she is our biggest contributor to start Cornerstone. When we started Cornerstone, Joel was part of the initial launch group. He ended up being my son's Sunday school teacher. And he's been an elder in our church multiple times. Can I tell you about the day that I learned to love my enemies? And can I tell you that there are lessons in life that you don't learn without getting wet? And is it possible that what's going on and what feels like waves and what feels even like God working against you and pushing on you is actually God teaching you things that you cannot learn without doing them? And if that's true, why are you fighting the surf? How come you're not grabbing your surfboard? Some of us would say, Lynn, no, 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 no. It's not a spanking. I'm just telling you clean hands. I, I, I'm just telling you there's no place of disobedience in my life. You'd say, Lynn, look, no, no, no. Anything that I might learn through the circumstances that are happening, I've already mastered them. I mean, I'm already good with it. There's no way that God's teaching me anything new here. That can't possibly be the answer. Okay? Is it possible that this moment isn't about you at all? Is it possible that this moment is actually about somebody else? other than you. That God in this moment would say, look, here's the deal. There's somebody in your life. There's somebody in your sphere of influence that I love. And the problem is they haven't figured me out yet. They don't know me yet. And if I were to go push in their life, if I was to go put some things, they would just freak out. They would get angry at me. They would run away from me. And so the best thing I can do is put something in your life, something that's hard, something that's really, really big, so that when they see you navigating that moment like Jesus would navigate that moment, when they see you living something that's really, really hard in the power that only God can bring, they're going to be surprised, and they're going to stop and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I could never live like that. What is? What do you have that I don't have? And that this would actually intrigue them to know your Jesus. Grab your Bibles again. It's Matthew chapter 5. So if you closed your Bible, go to the back, work to the left. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus talking about this very truth. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14, says, Are you ready for this? You, you, you and me, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. I mean, that'd be dumb, right? You light a lamp and then you cover it over so it doesn't put any light out. Instead, here's what I do. Instead, they put it on a stand. They put it on display. In other words, you make sure that that light gets put in a place where it has the greatest potential effect. So what do I do with my children? I put them on display. I put them on the stage of life so that they have the greatest possible effect with people who don't know Jesus yet. People who are far away from me. Instead, you put them on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds in the hardest, toughest, crummiest moments of life. That they would see how a true Christian navigates that. And glorify your Father in heaven. Is it possible that there are people, there's a cousin, there's Aunt Edna, there's, there's your neighbor, there's your co-worker. And you are their best chance to ever figure out God. And guys, look, 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 look. You realize that people who don't figure out God, people who live their whole lives pushing God away, end up going to a place that the Bible calls hell. And does it surprise you that your heavenly father would say, look, I love them too much to let that happen without a fight. And I'm willing to ask one of my own children to go through a hard time so that that person who doesn't think they need me and doesn't understand me would be so amazed at what a real Christian is like that they would come with questions. Does that surprise you? That God would love your cousin that much? That would love your neighbor enough to ask you to have to face hard stuff so that they could figure out Jesus? We've got a gal in the church, her name's Mary. And Mary, for five years, was trying to witness to Terry, one of her friends. For five years, Mary had invited Terry to all sorts of church services, to every Easter, to every Christmas, to every friend day that we do. And for five years, Terry just turned her down on everything. Wouldn't even darken those doors. As this is unfolding, Mary is doing her very, very, very best to live for God because Mary finds herself in a marriage where her husband has no regard for God. He's never made a decision for Christ. He wants to have nothing to do with Christ. And so her assignment, as best she understands it, is I'm just going to live faithfully. I'm going to be such an incredible Christian witness to my husband that eventually he's going to figure out God. I'm not going to nag him. I'm just going to live Jesus. He's going to figure out God. Unfortunately, it doesn't go that way. And instead, her husband absolutely goes off the deep end and abandons the family. So now Mary's in the moment going, okay, so God, look, here's, this doesn't make sense to me because I knew my assignment was to live faithfully for you so that he could figure you out. He's taken off. And, and God, in some ways, this feels actually embarrassing because I thought people were going to see how you would restore a marriage and you were going to be powerful. Now it looks like you've let me down. And in that moment, you ready for this? In that moment, Mary simply said, So I will live a divorce as godly as I can possibly live a divorce, even though this is not what I would have ever chosen for my life. Easter. Easter, and Terry walks in the doors. And Mary sees her walking in the doors and says, Terry, what are you doing here? I've invited you for five years. I didn't, you know, even expect you to be. What are you doing here? And here was Terry's answer. I'm going through a divorce. And I watched you. I watched you be faithful to your husband. I watched you do all those godly things for your husband. I watched, despite your best behavior, I watched him turn and leave and walk away. And now you're going through a divorce. And the way you have conducted yourself, the way that you've had peace The way that you've had strength in the midst of this? And she said, I frankly haven't. I'm going through a divorce and I am so angry and I am so bitter and my kids are being affected by it. And I just thought to myself, if Mary's God can help Mary, maybe Mary's God can help me. And within just a couple weeks, Terry asked Jesus in her heart. sometimes, sometimes God asks you and I to go through tough times because it's not about us at all. And think about the guys, think about this. Cause it's really interesting. Isn't that an amazing compliment? If God would say to you, you're the best Jesus that the people in your sphere of influence have. So you're the one I'm going to tap on the shoulder to live an example. in front. I mean, isn't that a compliment? And that it's possible that God takes you and I through a dark moment of our lives so that you and I can live that dark moment in a remarkable way so that people who would never, never, never come to Christ on their own come because of our example in Christ. And if that's true, guys, why are you and I fighting the surf? How come you and I aren't grabbing surfboards? How come you and I aren't joining God? In what he's doing in our lives, someone's to say, "Lynn, no, 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 no. It's not a spanking because I haven't disobeyed, Lynn. It, it's not teaching because I've already learned that lesson, Lynn. I, I'm just telling you, I, I, I don't see anybody in my purview who's watching this and seeing this and being moved to Christ. I don't, I don't think that's what it is. So maybe, maybe this is about positioning you for ministry." Maybe, maybe God is doing something in your life right now and having you experience it so that you're going to have the capacity and the ability to go to somebody behind you who's going through the same thing and say, no, 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 I understand. Let me, let me tell you how to navigate this. And maybe the very thing that causes you heartache and pain right now, the thing that feels so stressful in your life is actually God giving you the opportunity to be used in your life to change others' lives. Maybe he's preparing you for ministry. Grab your Bibles. 2 Corinthians, because this is, this is wild. 2 Corinthians, and again, go to the back of your Bible, work to the left. If you didn't close your Bible, then just go to your right. 2 Corinthians... Chapter 1, and you're going to want to see this. This one's going to surprise you guys. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Watch this, watch this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. Whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute, Lynn. We just said God was the one that allowed my troubles. Yeah. So that in your troubles, he could minister to you. Who comforts us in our troubles so that we then can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. That there's something that happens in this moment when I learn this lesson. When God helps me, that suddenly I'm given a ministry to help others who are coming behind navigate that same moment of life. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. And you get to be saying, look, look, look. There are moments that God takes you and me through something that you and I would have never chosen for ourselves. We would have never wanted. And the reason he's doing that is to prepare you and I to help others with that very part of their lives. It's our ministry. It's the place we change the world from. It's what we were created to do. See if this helps. Years ago, I'm a youth intern. And part of the program at the church that I was serving at was we went on ski trips. So every year, multiple snow ski trips. I get up on my first snow ski trip. Never skied before in my life. I'm 21. I get up there. Uh, We get off the bus. Everybody in the bus takes off. They've all skied before. I am left to the terror of Bunny Hill by myself. Now guys, oh, no, 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 you guys are like, how many of you guys have ever skied before? Okay, you know, you know, whoever the sick warped person is that named it Bunny Hill was having a joke that day. Because it ought to be Heck Hill. It is horrifying that your feet do things that your feet are not supposed to do. You, you move without even trying. So here I am, I'm on Bunny Hill, 21. Everybody else on Bunny Hill is 7. And it is horribly humiliating. I mean, you know, these kids are all snow plowing down, you know, and I'm flopping all over the place. I spend a day and a half on bunny hill. I am bruised. I am bleeding. It is the most horrific experience of my life. And then finally, finally, about three quarters through the day, I start to go, oh, so that's what snow plow feels like. Oh, turning, turning helps. Okay. And it finally clicks. So here's what happened. I resolved in my heart that I would never leave anybody on on Bunny Hill again. So we go to the next ski trip. Sure enough, here's the bus. We're heading up the hill. I walk the aisle of the bus asking everybody, Hey, is this your first time skiing? Six first time skiers. I say, I'll tell you what. When we get to the thing, you join me. I'll walk you through Bunny Hill. Within an hour and a half, I had every one of those first time skiers up on the mountain.
1: Because I
0: knew. I knew the terror of Bunyan. What if, what if, what if? What if what God is taking you through right now is to prepare you to change, to help, to minister to the lives of others with the comfort you've had in your life? Hey, we've, we've got a ministry in our church right now, it's called Waiting Arms. Waiting Arms is a ministry to couples who are dealing with infertility and the pain and the heartache that comes by not being able to have a child. Anybody here want to guess who started Waiting Arms? A couple in our church who had lived a lifetime battle with infertility and to this day still hasn't been able to have a child. And where do they minister from? They minister from what God has taught them. We, we've got a ministry in this church. It's called Blended Families. Anybody want to guess who started blended families? A couple who had to blend their families and go through the absolute chaos of taking yours and mine and putting them together. And yet, out of that, they minister. We have a ministry uh, in the church, it's called Mending the Soul. Anyone want to guess where Mending the Soul came from? A couple in our church, who had faced unthinkable heartache and disappointment and said, I think I can help others with this. And their own wounds, their own hurt became their ministry. Guys, is it possible that what God is doing in your life is actually your opportunity to change a life? to minister to a life with what God has already done in you. And if it is, why are we fighting the surf? How come we're not grabbing our surfboard? Hmm. Some of us, some of us, it's a spanking. We just need to obey. Some of us, God is teaching. God's just saying, look, you're never going to learn this until you do this. So I'm throwing you in the deep end. Some of us, it's not about us at all. It's about somebody in our life. It's about others that God is trying to reach. Some of us, it's about God trying to position us for ministry. But the minute you figure this out, you stop. You stop fighting the surf. And you grab a surfboard and you say, God, give me a big wave. Let's go do this because this could be the most exciting thing in my life. I'm ready for the ride. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we simply come to the moment and we just get it. We understand you have never wasted a tear. You have never, you have never neglected our pain. And so the reality is that if you're moving in our lives and it's uncomfortable and it feels like we just keep getting hit, you're doing something. And we've got to decide in that moment, do I stand in the surf and rail? Do I stand in the surf and fight this thing? Or do I get a surfboard and paddle out and ride the wave? And God, I'm just asking, I'm asking for Christians all through this room (laughs) that this would change their perspective that they'd suddenly say, God, look, I, I don't know that I even fully understand. I don't know that I completely get it and I know I don't know how this turns out. But I've got my surfboard and I'm ready. I'm ready to take a ride with God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.